You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Parshas Shemini on page Mem Aleph. He begins with uh, the bottom of page Mem Aleph with a Midrash Yalkut. I, I think there's something special about learning something, learning about something that you've heard so many times and you've done so many times, and you get a new perspective into what you're saying all the time. Uh, I think it's a great example of this. Tanya, the Medrash quotes a Brisa. Seder Havdalos Ketzat. What's the order of making Havdalah? You say, Hamavdil Ben Kodesh Lechol. He who separates between the holy and the mundane. Ben Or Lechoshech, between light and dark. Ben Yisrael Amin between the Jewish people and the nations. Between the seventh day and the six days of action. Between that which is ritually impure and that which is ritually pure. Between the upper waters and the lower waters. Between the Kohanim and the Levim and the Yisraelim. Of course, when we do our Havdalah, we stop after... Because we are referring to that particular separation of the separation between Shabbos and the weekdays. So we begin with the beginnings of the Havdalos, which is Ben Kodesh Lechol. And then we move through this order and we stop when we get to Shabbos and the seven days of the week. But you ever wonder, why do we mention all these other Havdalos? Ben Yisrael La'amim. Why are we mentioning that by Havdalah? What's its relationship? Now, there is, of course, you can make a connection. But, but why do we need to mention that in our process of making Havdalah? So the Zerashimshu would like to suggest a new perspective in the order of those words. Signon HaMidrash Kahu, this is what I think the system of this Midrash is. Hashta de Chazinon, Havdalah Be'kodesh Lachol. That because there is this distinction made between that which is holy and that which is not holy, between that which is sacred and that which is mundane, al karchach tzarech lios gam havdala ben or lachoshech, that causes a separation between light and dark. V'chol ha-medrish sove v'holech al seder the entire medrish is going to follow in this order. Basically, what he's saying is that each of the previous separations is going to be the cause for the next level of separation. Impressive. Right. Vahainu, and this is how it works. Dimitchila hivdila kodesh baruchu ben kodesh lechol. First, Hashem separated between kodesh and lechol. And where did this happen? Kedarminan, the Madrash tells us, Mitchilas bria so shall olam, at the beginning of the creation of the world, Hashem saw what the world was going to be. That there would be righteous and there would be wicked. That's why Hashem created two worlds. For the righteous, the next world. And for the wicked, this world. 
so Ganim isn't actually created until day two. But he's saying he's not. He's well, before that, before any of that was made, we all know the famous Ramchal. Why did God create the world? Well, according to the Ramchal, there's different opinions. According to the Ramchal, God created the world because God is a mativ and wants to do good. So then why didn't God just create this place where he's just giving us good? Because God is a greater good than that. God wants to do the ultimate good, which is to earn your good. So God created this world where you can earn your place in the world to come. So, so therefore, um, God created this world, which is where you get your test. If you want, you can enjoy this world, this short, brief world. Or you can live for the sake of the world to come, the real Olam Abba. So the original thought in creation, the original purpose in creation, was that there would be the righteous and the wicked, and there would be this world and the next. That's the first act of creation. And because there will be the righteous and there will be the wicked, that's why God separated between the light and the dark. Everyone knows this medrash. God originally created a light that was so powerful, you could see from one end of the world to the next, there was this, the or, what we call the Oragonus, because it was concealed, but it was the great light. Ahmad Vigonzo let Sadiqim la Asid Lavo and Hashem hid it away for the righteous in the future. So what we're saying is like this. Beratius in the beginning, God created this world and the next world. The next separation which happens in the Torah is Vayar Lukim Esa Or Kitov, God saw the light that it was good. And Hashem separated between the light and the dark which we understand is that Midrash, which says that God removed that great light from creation and gave it to the righteous in the future, so now we see a progression. Because God separated, God gave free will, God allowed for a world of this world and the next world, and there was this distinction between Kodesh and Chol. Therefore, God needed to separate Ben or Lechoshech. And because God withdraws that light and puts away the great light for the righteous in the future, so how is the actual physical world going to have light? That's why God has to introduce luminaries. The sun, which gives full light, and then the moon, which gives some light. As the verse states in Tehillim, Yours is day, and also yours is night. Because God decreed that there should be day and night, because God separates between light and dark, therefore you need luminaries, you need a sun. The sun and the moon, he says, the moon and the sun, is the Jewish people and the nations of the world. God said, let there be luminaries in the heaven, and at that point, or, or the, right, the, 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 well, that, that's the next step, right? 
So God said, let there, be a, um, let there be luminaries in the heavens. And the moon complained and said, there can't be two kings using one crown. So what did God say? Go diminish yourself. And that's the moon. The moon represents the Jewish people. In order for us to truly shine, we have to diminish ourselves, like the Jewish people um, have to be diminished, until the time will come when the world can once again bask in the light of the full luminosity of the moon, which will be the time when the world will once again see the great light, the or the Amim, that the Jewish people are. So the next separation which happens, which is a metaphor, the separation of the sun and the moon, is really the separation between the Jewish people and the nations of the world. <laughs> to rule over day and night. Usually, the great one, meaning the sun, should be for the day, and the smaller luminary should be for the night. However, as it turns out, the sun is visible only during the day, not during the night. Because that represents the nations of the world who only have a portion in this world, but not in the world to come. But the moon, it gives light in both the day and the night, meaning it's there during the day. In the same way, the Jewish people's presence exists in this day. We do have this world, but our true light is for the next world. So once again, this is the order we're going. Hashem separated between Sadiqim and Rishayim. That's Kodesh Lachol. Because of that, God had to remove the light um, which existed in the world and save that for the righteous in the future. That's Ben Or Lachoshach. And who gets to take of that light, of the future light, by giving up the light of this world? That's Ben Yisrael Amim. The Havdol Zed Ben Yisrael Umas, and because there is this distinction, the separation between Yisrael and the Umas, maybe Havdol that causes a separation Ben between the seventh day and the six days of work. The Armin and the Sanhedrin, as the Gemara in Sanhedrin tells us, Perek Zion, the Ben Noach Sheshavas Mimalacha. That a guy who keeps Shabbos, Chayev Misa, he's, he's liable for the death penalty. Because anytime they transgress one of the Noahide laws, they are liable for the death penalty. Because for them, they have no right to make the distinction between the seven days and the sixth day. Because they don't have those Havdalos. The previous ones, the Ben Or Ben Kodesh Lachol Or Lachoshech Yisrael Amim, therefore they have no access to the Havdalah, which is Shabbos. <coughs> it says Vaasi Shaper the Dayik. Now you'll notice it says Yom Yom Hashvi Lisheishis Why does he call it the seventh day from the six days of work? Veloka Amar. Why doesn't it say Ben Shabbos Lachol? The answer is because we're not talking about the sanctity of Shabbos versus the the 
mundane or the non-sanctified aspect of the week, we're focused, that's already been included in the first separation of Kodesh Lachol. We're referring specifically to the keeping of Shabbos, which is a distinction or a difference between Shabbos and the weekdays. It's not just they can't, they don't have access to the sanctity of Shabbos. They don't have access to the difference between Shabbos and the weekday. Now, this is really where we could stop, because um, at this point, we've explained our Havdalah. Our Havdalah is seen as a progression. This should be what you intend. The next Motsi Shabbos is a new meaning. Hamavdu Be'kodesh Lachol means God made good and evil in the world, righteous and wicked in the world. Be'en Or Lachoshech, which is why God separates between the lights and removes it for the next world, which is Be'en Yisrael Amim given to the Jewish people. And because we have access to that light in the future, because of that, we have access to Be'en Yom Ashvi, the difference between the seven it's all very crisp, but in the experience of this world, it never seems so crisp. Lots of times, things seem much more gray than black or white, and things are mixed together. And how do we translate the ambiguity of this world into the crispness of these definitions? Well, the the problem isn't with these separations, the problem is with our goggles. We're using the wrong lens to view things. So we can study the Midrash and know that this is what the Midrash is telling us, but we actually have trouble seeing it in reality, recognizing the difference between Kodesh and Chol. We have trouble recognizing the difference between righteous and wicked in the world. That's that's our problem. And if Maybe if we would do a better job of Havdalah, in this way, starting with Shabbos and working through all the aspects of our life, we would have a clearer image of of these separations. Would um, this uh, stress on the Jewish people reflecting the moon or, or being uh, equivalent to the moon as opposed to the sun explain the law of the sukkah that we have more shade than sun? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you could relate that. Mm-hmm. If you remember by next. <laughs> okay, but you know, we could stop here, and uh, but we'll just carry on just because the Medrash goes on. The Medrash makes these further separations. So he says, Now that we've separated between the seventh day and the six days of work, that means that there's a separation between what's ritually impure, and what's pure. The kol mine ruchas because the Zohar tells us that Tumah goes away on Shabbos. Not all Tumah, but certain forces of Tumah disappear on Shabbos, and so because there is a Shabbos, that allows you to see the difference between true Tameh and true Tahar. The Ode, furthermore, the Amrina Besota, the Gemara tells us in Sota, Hatahara not latama peros that our fruits and our flowers don't have their true taste and the true scent. The Gemara tells us that that was lost to us from when we stopped keeping the laws of Tuma and Tahara. The Gemara says, once Tahara went away, the tastes 
went away. The Gemara describes how the um, the incredible power of the fruits of Eretz Yisrael that, uh, that there was uh, they used to get drunk, intoxicated by eating some of the fruits of Eretz Yisrael because they were so um, rich in taste. And I don't mean rich in sugar or or in um, you know whatever is in the fruit. It means the taste was so powerful that people would become intoxicated from it. Uh, today. Um, the fruits of Eretz Yisrael are still incredible, but not quite on this level. So, so, uh, so the Gemara, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the Gemara says that it's because we lost Tumantara. Shabbos, <laughs> but the Gemara tells us in Shabbos, I mean, Echad that we there's a certain spice. The Shabbos Shema, its name is Shabbos. The story is, of course, the story that this Roman um, uh, general asked uh, asked one of the rabbis, he said, why is it that I walk past the Jewish community on Shabbos and the waft, the smell is just amazing. I want to stop into every house and eat. So he tells them, well, we have this great spice, it's called Shabbos. So he says, well, I want you to give me some. So he says, no, only if you keep Shabbos does that, does the taste. And the truth is, if anyone who's had a good chalant knows that that's the, that's the power of Shabbos. Chamim. And he says, the reason why the food on Shabbos smells so good, before you even get to the taste, but it just has this great smell, because like we said, the powers of impurity go away. There's more purity naturally in the world on Shabbos. And it's because of the loss of purity that we've lost flavor and smell. Because when we are impure, it allows impurity to rule the world. If we do a good job of separating between Shabbos and the weekday, then the foods, we have this more powerful smell and more um, potent taste. That allows us to recognize the difference between impurity and purity. So again, he's saying Shabbos. Once we have Shabbos, we can tell the difference between Tuma and Tahara because Tuma and Tahara was, when we stopped keeping that, we lost taste and, and scent. And we and on Shabbos, when there's less Tuma, as he quotes from the Zohar, that's why Shabbos food tastes better. Shabbat, and we lost the Bishvil Tumasen in Tama Paris, which we get back on Shabbos. So, Vikav and the Ekehav domain Tamil Tahar, once we've recognized the difference between Tuma and Tahara, now we understand the separation between the upper waters and the lower waters. We know the heavens, everything in the heavens is Tahar. There's nothing Tame that can come down from heaven. Even even water, which is tame, if it evaporates and comes back down, would be tar. While the earth is the place of sin and impurity. However, we know that we serve Hashem with both the upper waters and the lower waters. As it says, We actually say this on Friday night as we ring Shabbos in. The sounds of the many waters. But we know when the lower waters were separated, when the upper waters went up, 
it happened the lower waters were crying as it says in through crying he subdued or um, controlled the waters that the lower waters were upset that they have to stay in this place of impurity lest they not be able to praise Hashem anymore like the upper waters get to do which are in this holy place and the praise of Hashem should only be able to come from a place of purity so what did Hashem promise the lower waters? How did Hashem soothe the complaints of the lower waters? Hashem added salt to the oceans. Hashem said that they will always sweeten and they will give flavor to meat. Salt is the greatest physical spice in the world. What about the Great Lakes, though? They still well, they wouldn't be part of this. That's a fra- he, he said, because the, according to the measures, the whole world should have been um, fresh water. But Hashem put salt into the oceans because the world needs salt. For what purpose? For flavor. The ode, and furthermore, she crave him al and every carbon, al-kalakarbon, we put salt in every... So he says, as the Torah says. And then the water felt better, right? But why would that be enough to agree not to be in this place of purity? Because the water was saying, we are concerned, we don't want to be tame like the rest of the world. And they'll lose their merit to sing and give praise to Hashem. But if the water knows that it's the source of this spice called salt, which is what brings back the flavor, that's the sign that Hashem is giving it, that they will not be impure. Because what's a result of impurity? A loss of flavor, a removal of taste. Taste more taste is a sign of ritual purity. Like we said before, Shabbos, which is Tahar, has greater flavor. So by Hashem giving the salt to the water, He's saying, no, you will not be impure, even though you're in the earth. And the proof of that is that you will give this spice to take food which is flavorless and give it flavor. Uh, it could be, um, because purity goes together with, with flavor. That's why water, or really the oceans, are the place of purity. He doesn't quite say it in these words, but that's why a mikvah is a body of water, specifically a body of water in the earth, because it is the station of purity within the physical world of impurities. If a person becomes tame, the only way that they can access purity is by finding that part of creation which said to Hashem, we don't want to be impure. And Hashem said, okay, you will not be impure, you will be pure, and as a sign of that, I'll give you the salt, which is just a sign that water remains, as long as it's in the ground, remains in a state of purity. That's why water makes that So the water continues, even though it's in the earth, to remain the source of purity and praise towards Hashem because of its purity. 
But now that we've learned that purity comes from, that praise of Hashem can only come from a place of purity. Which means that in order to, for us to serve Hashem, we also need to have special rules of purity. And depending on how much it's your job to serve Hashem, that's how much purity you have to have. So he says, that makes sense, the last part of the Medrash, that Kohanim Shilucha the Rachmanim, because the Kohanim are the messengers of Hashem. And the Kohanim have to be separate because they're doing Avodah. And the Levim who are going to sing in the Beis Amigdash also need to be pure. The Elu that's where the Kohanim get to eat Truma because they are in the highest level of purity. The Elu Maser and the Levim, they can eat Maser because they are in the next level of purity. The Kulam Shulchan Gavarko which they get from the table of Hashem. So he's saying that all, this, all these separations are all a progression of each other. Again, that last part is that because there's a difference between Shabbos and the weekdays, that brings the distinction between purity and impurity. Number one, because Shabbos um, actually has less impurity because much of the impurity goes away, as he quotes from the Zohar. Furthermore, you see that within the taste and, and the smells of the food of Shabbos, that Shabbos has that greater purity. And that causes the separation between the upper waters and the lower waters because it's the flavor the salt which comes from the lower waters, which is a proof that the lower waters retain their purity, even though there was a separation between the upper waters and lower waters. And therefore, since we see in order to serve Hashem, you have to remain in the state of purity, that then leads to the separation of the different rules between Kohanim, Levim, and Israel. So and why they, they, they have to wash before they do Hanim? Well, yeah, that, that would, yeah, everything that the Kohen does, they have to wash before. Two questions, Taras Mishbacha, would that be the next level, you think, then? Because now individuals are also making a separation. Well, yeah, I mean, that, all, all the separations would, would be and progressions of that. space of Shueva, would that be tied in with the water? Of it probably, probably. You'd have to figure that out, how the drawing of the water ties into that. Why is it that in order, in order for a uh, pool of water to be pure, it has to have a certain minimum volume? Uh, and also... Our mikvahs today are not in the earth. Our mikvahs today are... No, they have to be in the earth. It's just the definition of the earth changes. But uh, it has to be natural. You can't take a, a bath and, and fill it with 40 saw of water. Even 40 saw of rainwater in a bath would not be kosher. Even if you put a bath outside, it has to be dug into the ground. It's just we, we dig it into the ground, but we keep it as part of the ground. It has to be... Uh, um, we line it. It's not. It's not. Connected. No. It's. 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 Uh, it's still. We, we cover it, but the actual mikvah is just the hole in the ground. The fact that we um, tile it, and we and there's special ways it has to be. You can't just put anything in there. It has to be done in a way where it becomes a part of the of the natural ground. And the and the minimum volume. But that, that's a whole separate discussion, which has all kinds of secrets involved, and they would all relate to this. That forty saw represents uh, you know, the forty uh, the days of the mabul and the forty days of the giving of the Torah and all that. It's all going to be connected within within this. <laughs> Right, yeah, that's a good thing, right? That, that the the bread there it's related to the concept of korban, because our shulchan is like the mizbeach, so the korban is the is the lechem, so you have to dip it into salt for that same reason, right?
to it. A mikvah makes no distinction between water that's salt or water that's fresh, right? Well, there is. This is a really complicated discussion, but uh, um, the there's there's natural um, bodies of water, such as the ocean, is is a mikvah. And then when you come to um, um, uh, you, uh, fresh water is also considered a mikvah, but that's just like we were saying. It's not the salt that makes the water pure. The salt in the ocean is a sign that the lower waters do remain distinct from the impurities. It's a sign of it. That doesn't mean we would separate between the waters. But I mean, you, you could have a mikvah filled with salt water. Um, well, how would you get it? You dig it where the water table is salt. Yeah, you could have that. I, I, I wouldn't recommend it, especially if anyone's got any cuts. Right? No, but it, there's no distinction made between the, the Kedusha of one of the... Right, we're not, we're not making any distinction between them. Because it's also the cleanest mikvah. Translate theory. Yeah, right. the ocean is the biggest mikvah in the world and the cleanest. The people ask them, they go to the ocean instead before Shabbos. Is there some connection between going down into a mikvah for purifying? And the concept of earth dust that Adam was created from dust, or uh, I, I don't I don't know about that. The Chinuch does say that. Um, or humility, you know. Oh, and any time you go down, it's always related to humility. But the Chinuch says that when we uh, someone goes down to the mikvah, it's it's returning through to the primordial waters to the world when it was covered with water before there was the separation between them. And he also connects it to returning to the womb and re-emerging as a new person. You know, all, these, all these metaphors are all, and, and analogies, they're all true. And they'll relate to this and to some extent. It's interesting, it covers place and person, I mean, time and person, a few areas, but not place so much. Like, I would think there'd be Yerushalayim and the rest of the world in there. Oh, interesting. Yeah, there, there isn't so much place mentioned here. That's a good point. Okay, we'll turn to page Memvav. Okay, I don't know if we're going to get through all of this, but let's 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 see how... I, if I read a little faster, you'll uh, stop me if I... Od Kasavarav, on page Memvav, in the second uh, paragraph there. Od Kasavarav Sham. So he's quoting the Ion Yaakov. Shil Asid Lavo Yu Hashkatsim Mutarim. That there will come a time in the future when we will be permitted to, to eat some of these creepy crawlers which are currently prohibited. Oh, good. So, <laughs> so he explains. Because <laughs> we know, as we are in this world, the Jewish people are under direct divine providence of God. <coughs> while the nations of the world each one has its own minister there's the minister of the United States of America there's the minister of uh, North Korea <coughs> got to try to figure out what he's up to and there's the, the minister of Australia they have, and each country receives through its minister 
missed every sleeping. Or busy doing something. That's why it says, I am Hashem who took you out of Egypt. You shall be sanctified, you shall be holy. For I am holy. But in the future, there will be no ministers. The whole world will be of one language to serve Hashem. God will be king over the whole earth. The whole world will be servants of Hashem. That's what he says. Then at that point, there will be, we'll be allowed to eat these creepy crawlers, which he hasn't explained yet. So we'll go back to the way it used to be. Initially. Right. He says, we know that in the, the Jewish people are called Zera Emes. True seed. What does that mean? Because the nations of the world are considered the seed of falsity. And this is related to the concept of the eating of these creepy crawlers. It says, I am Hashem who took you up. So the shkatsim, these creepy crawlers, represent falsity. So that's only true in this world where falsity exists. I was just going to go back to the comment. Uh, remember in your Saturday afternoon you talked about with the, the priest and the, uh, talking about it, and you had discussion about will the Torah ever be replaced or is it temporary or whatever in there? How... So he, he's not he's not dealing with that question, but I assume that this is referring to some much later stage. But it's, it still doesn't fully answer the question. You would have to explain that uh, there would be some aspect of the mitzvah that would still apply, while some of it will become permitted. We just don't know the exact definition. So if there's only specific bugs that will be allowed to eat, and not others, because hopefully cockroaches are on the other side. Yeah, you know, you could, you know, you know, certain grasshoppers are permitted. Well, those are, are those are still permitted today. We just don't know which they are. So, there's a negative uh, connotation to saying shkatzim. Is that from this yeah. idea? Yeah. Yeah, ex- that's exactly where it comes from. So he says, Kedisa B'yalka, the Medrash tells us, Kishahala Shaul as Shmuel Babalas Ov, it was Shaul brought back Shmuel. Um, using necromancy, and Shmuel says, you know, this world is the world of falsity. I was, I was up there, I was in the world of truth. So in this world, it's prohibited because the nations are under their ministers, and that's why there's so much falsity in the world, because the world isn't under Hashem, there's all these other ministers who have their own systems. That's why we need to separate. God gave us the special mitzvah of what we eat to separate between the Jews and Gentiles. But in the future, where they will all be under the rulership of Hashem, these um, creatures will be permitted because we don't need that separation. That's why we are called the seed of truth. Because it means we are under Hashem's control. Hashem is truth. Not because we are the seed of truth. That's why we are considered the children of Yaakov, who is called Emes. As it says in Micha, Give truth unto Yaakov. 
Why is Yaakov called truth? Why is not Avraham or Yitzchok called truth? Because Yaakov and Esav made a deal. Esav says, I want this world. Yaakov said, I want that world. And they divided it. says, this world is falsity. And that's why the nations of the world are under these ministers, which brings falsity and confusion and cold wars to the world. While um, the Jewish people are under Hashem, and when the whole world will be under Hashem, the whole world will be truth. So when we have Achdos, it's like Hashem Achad. And Hashem's guidance or His control over us as a nation is complete. And when we don't, we're breaking that supervision because we're not being the way that our supervisor is, if I right, can say it that right, way. We're, right, exactly. So, and he, he's, he, he puts it in terms of Shabbos. That's why it says, if you keep Shabbos... Uh, many of the custom of reciting this during Kiddush during the day. I will give you to inherit the portion of your father Yaakov. Why do we invoke Yaakov for those who keep Shabbos? Because Shabbos is connected to truth. As the verse states, So if it takes the last letters of the words, Shabbos is connected to the next world, which is the world of truth. I'm just going to say this next paragraph um, outside. He says that that's the reason why the Gemara and the Mishnah and Demai tells us that um, a, even Amaretz, even someone who's unlearned, is unable to tell a lie on Shabbos. The Allah is, even though we don't trust people who don't know whether or not they took off the pro- proper tithings, and so we take off tithings just in case, but on Shabbos we do believe them. Why? Because an Amaretz, even an Amaretz is afraid to lie on Shabbos. Why would that be true? Amaretz will break Shabbos in all other ways. Lying isn't the biggest deal on Shabbos more than during the week. He says because Shabbos is truth. He says, let's see if we can get the next, just the next paragraph in. So he says, Yaakov vav shel Hashem. We know that Yaakov is related to the Vav of Hashem's name. Because the four legs of the chariot are the four, and that's, uh, Avram represents the Yud of Hashem's name, Yitzchak is the first He, Yaakov is the Vav, and David is the final He of Hashem's name. Those are the four legs of the chariot. So it's specifically the Vav which is connected to Yaakov. Because of Yaakov, so listen to this statement from the Sefer Pliya. Ubayom Hashmini Yimol Besar Arlaso. Why does it say Ubayom Ashmini and on the seventh day? It should just say on the seventh day you should give him a bris. So he explains. Min Aleph Advav Imavav If you take the first six letters of the Aleph base, Aleph base Gimel Dalad Hevav, and you add them together, it comes to twenty-one, which is Kishem Ekya. That's the name Aleph He Yud K, which is twenty-one. The Ekya Pramim Ekya and twenty-one times twenty-one. Easy to calculate is four hundred and forty-one, which is gematria ms. Meaning ms the Yaakov. So because Yaakov is the vav, and what's the vav? The vav is twenty-one, and twenty-one times twenty-one is four hundred and forty-one, which is ms. 
Now take the word Ames, and he spells it out for you, where each letter of the word Ames is spelled Aleph Lamed Pei is Aleph, Mem Mem is Mem, and Tav is Tav Yud Vav. Take, uh, take the second letters of each of those letters. You get a lama, a mem, and a yud. Lakach osias yimol, shem shnias osias rishon shalemis. So that makes yimol means to give a bris mila. Vaosios of anisharos min emes, yimol. Now, what's left after you finish with that? You're left with an extra pay and an extra vav, which is 86 bigamatria mila. So within the Vav of Yaakov, which is itself um, 21, 21 times 21 is 441, which is Ekia and Emes. But the, he says more than that is that if you take the Emes and you spell it out, you get Yimol and Mila. And he says, and in fact, Aleph Mem Tav is eight letters. So he says, meaning the Vav, on the eighth day, Yimol Basar Arlaso tells you that you should cut off the Arla. He says, this is why Mila will come before Shabbos, because Shabbos is Emes, but Mila is even more Emes. So he says, the point is that all these things are interconnected, and he says that's the secret of the Bris Milo, which is the secret of the world to come, which is all about Emes, and that's why this distinction all comes from, as the Torah tells us, in the future, and he ends up saying, that's why the Parsha of Shemini ends, and this week's Parsha begins with, the mitzvah of bris milah, because it's a continuation of what we learned before, of the distinction and the separation between the nations and the world, which is represented by the letter Vav. Uh, we'll leave that for now. Um, everyone have a wonderful week. Great. Uh, gentlemen, if you would. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.